welcome back to Drinking the Kool-Aid with Lila and Naima. We're talking human design. I've realized people don't even know what the... They've never even heard of it. This topic is more niche than I realized. Which is exciting. So we're going to break it down real elemental. I am presenting the thesis this week. I will say, as always, full disclaimer, I am extremely ignorant on this topic, but I became aware of it in the last year and was fascinated. So I've chosen it as our topic du jour. Naima only knew of it because I... viewed some secondhand intel at her as soon as I found out about it, right? Yeah, we we met up for a quote-unquote work date, and uh, we got no work done. Nope. Uh, uh, not unless you count looking deep into our human design charts and still not quite understanding, at least on my end. No, I, I don't understand it at all, to be frank. Nothing. But give us, give us the broad strokes. Okay, so human design. I'm going to just read from the Jovian Archive website for you. This is like what seems to be the main website of their foundation. The human design system is a synthesis of ancient and modern sciences and has proven to be a valuable tool for human understanding. With human design, you discover what makes you different from everyone else. It offers profound insights into your psychology, along with strategies and techniques for making correct decisions and ultimately leading to a life of more ease and fulfillment. So basically, you give your like birth chart information the same way you would calculate your astrological chart. And then it creates this body graph, which is like this image, almost looks like it's like the chakras or something and it tells you like which ones are filled in and which ones are open according to this website it consists of 26 activations 13 planetary imprints nine centers 36 channels 64 gates or hexagrams six lines and three levels of substructure um oh my goodness so it's quite complex. complex yeah it's very complex which is partially what appeals to me a little i think we've talked about this before when when everybody just falls neatly into simple categories i'm very mm-hmm. skeptical and when so this like, is more of a spectrum than a box um, yes modality and the idea as i understand it is that there are basically four or five larger groups that people fall into and then within that there's all these variations and you have things called an authority which is sort of like where you receive your intuition or messages from like how you should act in the world and depending on the type you are you have different strategies for like how to achieve what you're here to do and the idea is that like if you can identify those things and understand them then you will function better as a human and that's I guess where the word design comes in so what can you give me some examples what are these large groups okay yes so people fall into the categories of either manifestors generators and then there's a a group called manifesting generators that are like a hybrid of those two projectors and reflectors those are the large groups and i remember you're a projector right apparently so this is i'm gonna tell my story of where (laughs) i got interested in in this and why i couldn't stop thinking about it because we're our antithesis is going to be like there's gonna be a lot of questions we have about this one i'm gonna start by saying it was invented by some guy a white guy from Montreal, and then he called himself Ra Uruhu and had a visitation from a voice that gave him this Ooh, information. Got it. 
you know, there's, there's that. that going on. That's factoring in. Um, we'll get there. Um, but all right. So I go to a dinner party, a ladies night, actually. Mm, we love ladies night. So I didn't really know anyone else there except the hostess. And this topic came up. I heard a few of them talking about human design. One of the women there who is going to be our expert this week know a lot about it and actually practices it. And she had given a reading to the hostess of the ladies night. After a little while, I was like, oh, I just have to interject. I have no idea what we're talking about right now. <laughs> and the woman sort of was like, oh, I'll show you your body graph. And I was like, uh, okay, I was born at this time. And then she did this thing where she didn't show me it. And she just was like, okay, I'm going to actually just read you the five types first and see how you respond, basically. Like a test. So she reads me the five types. She's like, okay, manifestors do this. Generators, this is 80% of the population are the people who are like, have the most energy and get work done. And then projectors have like the least energy and they, you know, if they initiate things, they're not supposed to initiate anything. You're supposed to wait for an invitation. And then reflectors are the smallest percentage, blah, blah, blah. And she goes through the whole thing. And then I was like, oh, am I the one that sounds the shittiest? And she just like laughed at me. I was like, what do you, which one did you think sounded the shittiest? And I, and, and I was, I was that mm-hmm. one. So my reaction was to immediately like identify, but in this kind of negative way where I heard, Mm -hmm. I heard this tiny description of what a project, I don't like the word projector, first of all, Mm. because I feel like we use it to mean like you're projecting. You're projecting. Yeah. yeah, Like you're making shit up or you're like putting your shit on me. And then the first thing, the first tagline I heard about this was like, you have to wait for an invitation. You can't initiate things. And if you do, then you often actually will repel people. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds horrible, first of all. Second of all, that sounds kind of accurate to me. Like I do feel sometimes I'm getting a bad reaction and I don't know why or something. Mm. And the moment I was just like, whatever, I didn't think about it. And then I went home and I was like, okay, I need to Google this. Then <laughs> I had to do some gymnastics to make it the best type. <laughs> <laughs> But part of what she was saying, she was like, manifestors kind of build the world order in theory, right? And so we live in this paradigm that does tell you constantly, like, you need to be making shit happen. You need to be making shit happen. And if you are not, if that doesn't really work for you, you just feel like there's something wrong with you all the time, as opposed to going, wait a minute. No, I actually might have this other purpose or strategy or way of being. And if I can accept and embrace that, I will actually get way better results. So that I think is the part, the nugget of the idea that appeals mm. to me. That that's what they, that is saying, like helps you choose a life that that is part of the human design. Yeah. Or helps you choose not even a life, but a strategy through which to approach your life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to avoid, because this is the other part of this human design. So everyone has their, every type has their strategy. So for the projector, it was wait for the invitation. For the manifester, it was like, let people know what you're going to do before you do it. Because otherwise, everyone gets frustrated with you. Like, just tell them what's up first. And for the generators, I can't remember, but it was something along the lines of like, wait till you feel a sense of like, hmm, yes, before you put your energy into something. And with the reflectors, it's something crazy, like wait a full moon cycle or I don't fucking know. <laughs> we'll get we'll get more information from her. So those are the strategies. And then the idea is that each one has a typical like kind of a shadow side that like if you're not doing that, you manifest in the case of the projector bitterness. Ooh. And I was like, ooh, yeah, I do feel sometimes like I can get bitter when I feel like I'm not 
getting what I think I deserve or, or I'm not being seen mm. or I'm not, you know, and like, that's such an unattractive quality. So I was like, oh yeah, that does resonate. And I want, and I would be curious if there's this like strategy to avoid the traps of bitterness. The other thing that I think immediately triggered me was like, they claim that it's not like an even distribution. They were like, you know, 10%, eight to 10% of people are manifestors. Most people are generators. And then 20% are projectors and like 1% are reflectors. So like, again, another part of me goes like, oh, I want to be the rarest one. the exclusive one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Which is so whack. But, and mine is like kind of the middle one. I don't know. But I think it's interesting to think about this and to like listen to your experience learning about this. Is this tension between like a desire to belong and a desire to be uncategorizable. Like everybody wants to be special or maybe we both want to be special. I know. And can't imagine a world where that's not the case, but I think it is interesting to to see how in some ways like trying on these tools is a way to expose how much self-judgment there is underneath it, right? That yeah. your impulse was like, "Oh, am I the shitty one?" You know what I mean? Is like <laughs> Is that's like yeah, when... and then to immediately go okay, how can I make this shitty one like the best one or like mm-hmm. like what even I, I assign right. judgment and value on all of these things, and... and I think that that was sort of the idea behind this human design thing is that like they're all equally good. Oh, there, there, there's a way to make all of them function if you just, mm. but you just have to know like what you're working with or something, mm-hmm. and that is fascinating to me. And I think you're right. This idea of like the tension between wanting to belong and wanting to stand out. And I think that is a very universal tension that humans feel. But I do think there's degrees. Like I think some people really so badly want to belong. They're willing to put on whatever identity to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think I always want to belong and find kindred spirits and feel like understood. But I also, I think my want to be special is like more overblown. Yeah how much of it is natural human instinct and how much is society's like hierarchies. Cause that's another yeah. thing like, that leads into my antithesis of one of my questions or drawbacks from what I'm understanding about this is like, it seems there's almost like an inherent hierarchy yes. in these things. Like these are the people that are like quote unquote run the world. And these are the people yeah. that do the work for them. And these are the people. And that so was my that main is issue. Initially, too, because one of the language that I found most problematic when they're talking about the generators, which is the most people and the people have the most energy to like execute tasks in theory. It was like, historically, these are like the workers and the slaves of the world. And I was like, hold up, hold up. What? Are you going to tell me that like being a slave is a function of like my your generator? Yeah, no, that's not true. You were enslaved. Yeah, and I think it's like the framework kind of encourages in some way this like pack mentality. So that's another one of my antithesis is like not just with human design, but in general with these things. It's like, is that pack mentality good or bad? Is it good to be like, oh, we're like-minded? Or that whenever you're encouraged to be like, oh, I'm like those people. These are my people. And all other people, like that's their purpose, that there's no possible crossover as opposed to being a tool to help you grow your potential it could limit you if you're like oh i guess i'm not the type that's supposed to start anything so i'll just so i'll just stop trying to initiate anything like that feels like a dangerous message but i also Mm -hmm. realize that again with my limited understanding it's probably also in the framing it seems to me like when we're talking about it the broad strokes do feel a little bit 
oversimplistic, but it seems like all those things with the gates and the energy yes. channels and all that stuff might be where the nuance lives. And I'm interested to hear her talk about it and to see how she speaks of putting it in practice, right? It's interesting to like maybe have this conversation potentially be in dialogue with our conversation with Sam about tarot, about her saying like, it's a tool for me about self-reflection. I can listen to it or not listen to it. It's just holding up a mirror versus hearing what Jess has to say about how much this impacts her life and her decision-making on a daily basis. Absolutely. I, I also have a little question about something you said in the description that it was like figuring out how you are different. And I thought that that was a really interesting phrasing that yes, it wasn't about so who you are or how you fit. It's how are you different? So I'm kind of curious to see how that kind of works together. Yes, 100%. And then I'll say from the antithesis perspective, my biggest trigger with any kind of organizing principle or dogma or self-help or anything is when you tell me there's some guy with a name who was alive any time in the last century who is like the the disciple of this like that to me is my big red flag I'm sorry like the minute you tell me Ra Uruhu is making money off of selling these books I go my bullshit detectors. I know, and off. you were saying like ancient sciences, and I was like, what does that mean? Ancient sciences, leeches? Like, what are you talking about? Our expert is Jess, and we can't wait to get some answers. Stay tuned. Welcome to our podcast, and Hi. if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself. Sure. I'm Jessica, and I I am an actor, I am a writer, a filmmaker, and most recently have become a human design reader by accident. <laughs> oh, we can't wait to hear all about that. Mm-hmm. I would love if you would just first tell us all, what is human design? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, human design is a system for self-knowledge that combines principles of astrology, the Chinese I Ching, Kabbalah, the chakra system, and quantum mechanics. But it's actually its own thing. So it becomes its own system. Um, It gives us something that we call the body graph, which is essentially this map of you, the moment that you're born with all of your potentials and your gifts and your skills and your energy type, your life mission, everything that you decided you were going to come into this life to be, how you were genetically designed to engage with the world. So it's like the snapshot of the purest you. And then what happens over the course of life because of the nature of society and all the messaging that we get from our parents or teachers, the world, is that we, we get very deeply conditioned away from who we naturally are. We get told hmm. that our dreams are too big. We get told we need to achieve in a certain way. We get told to sit still and be polite or work hard or this is how life works. And we're told over and over again that our instincts are wrong or that they're shameful, whatever it is. So we receive so much conditioning and a really big one is that we're all sort of supposed to do or be able to do life in the same way. If it worked for me, it works for you, right? Mm -hmm. So we're shaming each other and ourselves when we don't fit that mold. So it's like if you're a violin, but you think that you're a flute and you try to play the notes of the flute, your music is just not going to flow. You're just not going to sound the way that nature intended for you. Mm. Something's going to feel off. So I love that image. Right? blowing into your body right yeah. <laughs> be the violin you are 
So the where are the strings right? on this trumpet? Yeah, it's just like embracing the way that you came in to make your music. So the body graph to me is like a roadmap. It's like a user guide back to who you really are to give you full permission to be the most authentic, unique, weird, badass self you were intended to be and that you probably know deep down that you are. It's it's just very validating in my experience. So that's what that's how I like to describe it. It's really satisfied this part of me that has always been both a seeker and a scientist <laughs> at the same time. It, mm. it sort of bridges the, those two worlds for me. There's um, an esoteric quality to this that it's kind of woo-woo in some ways where I'm like, I don't understand. Like this man downloaded this information over eight days by a voice. Like what? And at the same time... Yes, that was definitely <laughs> one of the things that we talked about. We were like, what? excuse me? Yeah, I... <laughs> I don't you exactly. <laughs> I don't usually lead with that. Um, but also, having done as many readings as I've done now, it's it blows my mind every single time. I've I've I, I do these charts, and I don't know these human beings before I speak to them, and they're so unique and so different from one another. And every single time, it is so profound. And I've seen when people start to integrate their energy types, their strategy, their authority in their lives, how everything transforms. So I think what I love is is that it's not a belief system. It's just saying it's an experiment. Try it out. See how it feels. And for me, it's just radically shifted my life. So I, I really... I've drank the, mm. the Kool Aid. <laughs> you drank the Kool Aid. <laughs> didn't you? Okay, so before we get to your particular journey to human design, which I'm super curious to see how you got into it, what are the different elements of this body graph? Because Naeem and I were talking about how we, you know, we looked up the big types, but then there's all these other pieces. There's all this other stuff. Yeah. And we don't know, like, is this more important? You know, is the profile, mm -hmm. what is that in relation to the, the, the path to the graph to the what are the I mean there's so, there's so many elements which yeah it's in very some ways, deep and complex yeah it's deep and complex which in a way that's one of the things that we've been talking about of like a kind of a um a distrust of things that are too simple like oh you fit this box you know we're kind of like spectrum versus box and so part of us was like oh we're very skeptical about downloading to the mind from the voice <laughs> but also we're like oh but it's complex and you can kind of find a path in it and so yes yeah, we want to like, hear oh, about there's four types of people that's it there's so many nuances nuances yeah. Yeah. yeah so we'd love to hear about that for sure but maybe guide us through that also through your journey as well how did you sure um, so how I came to it was I was going through a period of time in my life although it was probably my whole life, actually. Um, and the only way I know how to explain it, it's like I felt like I was doing life wrong, even though I was doing all of the right things. And I couldn't seem to make my goals and my dreams that were so clear to me, like I felt them so deeply that this is my calling, this is what I'm here to do, and yet I couldn't bring them into fruition. Everything felt so hard. And I felt like I was working harder than most people I knew, except nothing would happen for me. I would just meet resistance. And then I'd look over there and see people like doing nothing, like sitting on their couches and everything I wanted would like fall on their laps so effortlessly. And I just didn't get it. So I, You can't hear this in the recording, but Lila and I are both deeply nodding. 
We're like, <laughs> no, yes, deeply nodding. <laughs> yeah, I did the law of attraction stuff, which I'm now kind of iffy about. I, I did therapy. I did every workshop. I read every book. I did every manifestation tool and healing tool. Like I, I, I did everything and I couldn't figure out what that secret was and why I couldn't make my external reality match my internal knowing. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> external reality match my internal knowing. So um, I was doing this internet search, I don't know, on, on the meaning of life. Who knows? I, probably. And, <laughs> Google, what is the meaning of life? Probably. Yes, been there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I came across like a blog or something that described the human design energy types. And at first I didn't know what it was. So I was like, ooh, personality test, like Myers-Briggs or something. Like I didn't know what it, yeah. So I, I read each type and then I just, I just knew what I was. I don't know if you know what the types are, but there's manifestors, generators, manifesting generators, projectors, and reflectors. Those are the five types. And so I read each description and I, I just felt it. I just knew. And then I pulled out my body graph. So anyone can wow. pull up their body graph online. There's a few websites and it just takes your birth information. And it confirmed it. And I cried <laughs> because I was like grieving the years of my life that I was wow. living so out of my own truth. It was like a permission slip. I like that idea, permission slip. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a big theme. I think that we've kind of touched on a little bit, Lila, but that I think about often of like, how much harder actually it is to like say, oh, I've been doing this quote unquote wrong and, and to say, okay, I'm going to change. I think so many people are like, well, maybe this isn't right, but I've been doing it for so long. If I change it, it's going to negate all the time that I spent being this other way or doing it this other way. And that is more scary than the draw of positivity, I think, for a lot of mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and transformation is scary and it does take work. Like this is not an easy process. I just want to be clear off the top that this isn't like a quick fix. This, it, it has in many ways quickly fixed things for me, but the deconditioning process apparently takes around seven years. Um, wow. And we have to be forgiving with ourselves. Like we are born into an environment that conditions and we're all susceptible to that. So I don't know if it, I don't like using the words wrong and right, but, but you know, I kind of look at it as, as conditioning and, and then freeing yourself from that. Mm -hmm. We had a whole discussion about the word normal in our last yeah. episode. So I feel like wrong, right, normal. Yeah. I mean, I think those terms can have value, but they're terms from another context that then we put on the human context and it might not work anymore. Mm -hmm. That word doesn't necessarily have its place on our spiritual journey. Exactly. We are all figuring it out as we go. There isn't mm -hmm. there isn't a manual until now. Human design is a manual. But but yeah. there isn't there isn't really a manual, you know, when you're born that just gets handed to you and says this is how you do it, right? So can we describe like what what this body graph looks like when you get Yes. So okay, yes, it is weird. It looks like this sort of exposed body in a way, like the insides of someone's body, we have this sort of strange chakra system going through it. So in human design, we have nine centers, nine chakra centers, which I don't think Are is- Are they energy? Yes, yeah, energy centers. energy centers. And, mm -hmm. and, and for most people, some will be colored in and some will be open. Okay, so that will be different person to person. Where we are open, where we are white, so there's no color, is where we are 
sort of um, absorbing and taking in the energies of our environments, of other people. It's, it's usually the areas in which we have the capacity to grow really wise in this lifetime because we're sampling so many different experiences through our open centers. It's also where we're prone to the most conditioning. So we can, so being very, very open, um, someone who, uh, like we talked about those five types, someone who is completely white, completely clear, doesn't have any of their own definition, we call reflectors. And they're only 1% of the population. And reflectors are, they're kind of mirrors for us. They're reflecting who we are back at ourselves because everywhere they go, they're pulling in the energy of their environment and all, you know, and of humanity. And, and showing it back to us, right? Who they are is what they're around in a sense, right? So if their environment is unhealthy, if the people around them are unhealthy, that is gonna be reflected. And if they're surrounded by really good conscious people, then that also will be reflected. But they, if we talk about the areas in which we're taking in life can be where we grow wise. I mean, they can become incredibly wise and mystical you know in this life so then the white areas are open, open. and then and where we're colored mm-hmm. in is where we have our own fixed energy our own definition that is with us throughout our whole lives and it's not that it can't get can get conditioned there's ways in which you can get conditioned but it's far less prone to outside influence okay so um our definitions tell us what our energy types are and what our authorities are so if your sacral is defined it means that you're either a generator or a manifesting generator if it's interesting so like your your sacral like your center is fixed my my sacral is fixed so mm -hmm, i am a generator mm -hmm, yeah exactly mm -hmm. so those are our centers then we have these like lines that kind of go through the chart. Um, it's like our circuitry in a sense. And every, I'm gonna, I think I'll explain this a little bit more when we talk about relationships, but I'll do, but every, um, we call them gates basically. So everywhere you see a line that isn't connected to the other energy center, it's just hanging there in the middle. We call them hanging gates. And every gate comes with another energy, potential, it's a trait, but they tend to get activated in relationships. Because what happens is if if you have gate one, for example, like the gate of creative expression, and the other person around you has gate eight, together you create this electromagnetic connection. It's why we feel sparks in relationships, it's why we feel chemistry, like we're drawn to people because they help us express that energy um, completely. There becomes this like, we call it a channel. You create a channel. Mm. So you create a channel within that dynamic. But where we have two gates that connect for ourselves, within ourselves, if we just happen to have both sides, we have our own channels. So our channels, I kind of describe them as our superpowers. They're also like like our fixed definition. They're, they stay with you throughout your lives. You don't need other people to help access them. They're just different potentials that you have that you bring to the table. I'm curious about the, the strategy. So yeah, just those words you've been using, authority and strategy, maybe just mm-hmm. define what that means inside the system. Yes. So as a generator, I'm here to respond and then I'm following my gut. My gut is my authority in how to make my decisions. I'm meant to respond to life and then I have this like immediate uh-huh or uh-uh that tells me. It's like if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, basically, for generators. So Interesting. we tell gener- generators they're meant to wait to respond. And that wh- what that means to me is that you're waiting to respond to what lights you up. And this is, and what's really significant about this piece for all of us is understanding that our minds aren't meant to run our lives. 
they're not meant to make our decisions for us. And this is like a really scary idea for most people because we're told the exact opposite, right? That we're meant to use logic, we write our pro and cons lists, we make these five-year plans, that we should be making these very reasoned and calculated decisions. And we're rewarded for that, you know, at least societally. Like our minds are these beautiful tools for communication, for asking questions and exploring all kinds of ideas and higher concepts, sharing knowledge, but it has no idea what's best for our lives. It has no place in our decision making. Wait, so what is? Your authority. <laughs> your authority. The authority. Which okay. is different boom, boom. which is different for everyone. So I'm gonna tell you, okay. we actually all three of us have different ones. So I will Oh good. Oh, yeah. Great. So we'll be able to explain this. But I think this piece is just really important to understand because our authority, it's designed to help us bypass our mind, which wants to control the show and get us like give us direct access into our soul's truth, right? Like our bodies hold the knowledge, our bodies know what's right for us and where we're meant to go. And our mind wants to like hold on and and steer it, but it, it doesn't. It's not meant to. And as someone who has spent, for me, a lot of time in my head and has been appreciated for my intelligence, I have become, <laughs> like, very overly identified with my mind. Um, mm. But if our minds try to make decisions, life honestly just becomes chaotic and messy. And I didn't trust my body. I didn't know what I was supposed to look for. I didn't even know what it felt like initially to be lit up. Like that was a process Mm. for me to go, what is my joy? What does that even mean? Because I had been so conditioned Mm -hmm. to people please and give my energy away to other people that I couldn't even tell when I first started this process what that actually meant. I had to really listen. So it takes a lot of deconditioning to trust this because it's this radical idea that if it's, at least for generators, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, period. You don't have to explain or justify it and it might not make any logical sense to anyone else. I'm just lit up or I'm not. My gut is fired up and I'm excited or it's not. It's like a wow. mechanical process that my body But it's is so me. freeing yeah. in a sense mm-hmm. too. That then it's like then you know. Yeah. Once once you know how to listen to that, then then you just know. Exactly. But just trusting that our body knows something that we can't consciously know. As a generator, I'm meant to be receptive to life and just sit back and kind of allow life to come to me and move in the direction of my joy. So this was like a game changer for me. That was really, really yeah. major for me. Why don't we talk about your both of yours? Because I think yeah. that will then help put things I'm so in, into yes. context. Yeah. Yeah, because I think we're all different types. And so you're a generator. And, the, and again, just to, generators are supposed to also have the most energy, yes. right? Like to get things done. And so then is the idea that like, it's easy for you to be pouring your energy into someone else's plan if you don't yes. follow that historically and then be drained exactly exactly historically generators were slaves <laughs> because we're designed to respond and not initiate and we weren't taught what our authority is and that we're actually meant to love our lives and love what we do and pour our energy into our own creative expression and our own higher purpose because mm-hmm. we're people pleasers and other people are telling us what to do and want to utilize that energy for their own agenda. I will say, though, slaves didn't choose to be slaves. Oh, no, no, that's that's not, sorry, that's not quite what I mean. I d- mm. I'm not talking. <laughs> Just clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was one of the for, questions we had, too. We're like, what? Like, what does that like, mean? No, yeah, no, that's, yeah. that, that's not quite what I mean. Like, like, you mean, what? like, people are taken, taken advantage of? No, 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 no. And I, and I don't even mean it in that historical mm. context. Mm. I'm not, okay, I'm, perfect. I'm not speaking to, to American history or anything like that. Mm. I'm just talking, you know, like, slaves to work that they did not want to do in, in that respect. Mm. That's how I, 
how I interpret it. You know, mm-hmm. like ge- a lot of generators are at jobs sitting at desks for 30 years that they don't actually want to be doing because no one ever told them how to listen to themselves and, and trust themselves. So what ultimately can happen is that you are we are people pleasing and giving our energy away to serve other people's agendas because we don't know how to stand up for ourselves and claim our own lives and it, it's just a pattern so they're like slaves to the system yes that's that's mm-hmm. what that's what i yes. that's what i mean yeah and and i haven't read differently i haven't read any specific thing that has has yeah made that direct link we have a lot of energy we have a lot of creative power and we're meant to sort of be receptive to life and allow joy to come to us so that we can yeah just like express our juicy aliveness in the world that's what generators are here mm-hmm. to do but Naima, you're a manifester. A manifester. You're a manifester, which is only like 10% of the world. Well, yeah. that's, is that good? Does that mean I'm going to be more lonely? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because there can be a lonely quality to being a manifester, but I will explain why that is. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, there's actually a lonely aspect to being a manifester, mm. and I will explain why that is. So I'm curious if that's something that you felt in your life, but... Manifestors are the initiators. You're here to be the catalyst to set things in motion. So you don't need anything outside of yourself, no outside forces to move you into action. So while I as a generator need to respond to things that show up in my experience, you have an idea, you get to just like put it into action. So historically, manifestors were the ones in power. They were the ones running kingdoms and writing all the laws and creating the religious institutions. You were a queen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this idea that if you want something, you have to initiate, you have to go out and get it and make it, make it happen. That's how the rest of us are conditioned by manifestors. Because you're really the only type. Because historically, mm-hmm. that's how the world was led. Exactly. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So really, your type is the only one meant to operate that way. And now that you're such a smaller percentage of the world and living in this like generator, manifesting generator dominated environment, it's harder for manifestors to know their place because they're being raised and conditioned by generators who kind of feel freaked out by your power and try to squash it. (laughs) Hmm. So your aura has an energy that is very independent and kind of repels people who aren't vibing with what you're here to do. So that is where this loneliness piece can come in because it's kind of meant to protect you and prevent you from outside influences that might prevent you from putting your vision out into the world. But it can also be intimidating to other people or misinterpreted. Yes, I often get misinterpreted as like, you know, stop telling me what to do. Stop being so bossy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. So yeah. there's so no apologizing for your natural power. This is actually your gift to the world. But it can make other people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Feels I don't know if I want to. I, I think I, I resonate with what you're saying about like in a generated like a generator world where like it feels almost too daunting to say, oh, I'm I'm it's it's my job to like put things into action. I kind of want to just be like, tell me what to do and then I'll do it. So I don't know. That's again the conditioning, I guess. Well, tell me world. this: Do you feel like you have a lot of ideas? Do you have a lot of impulses? I think so. Yeah. Right. So often what happens because, and I'm, and I'm not saying this about your parents. I'm just going to tell you just what tends mm-hmm. to happen. Manifestor children can make parents uncomfortable because the aura has this energy of like, I don't need you. I got this. <laughs> so you were probably mm. a really independent kid. 
probably really independent mm-hmm. most of your life. And that can scare a lot of parents or it can scare just a lot of teachers like anyone. And so they'll try to control it. And when a lot of the conditioning that can happen for manifestors is learning to stop trusting their impulses and fearing their own power because their upbringing sort of teaches them that they don't quite fit in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So it's kind of being ashamed. It's, it's not, it's not that I'm saying like, you have to initiate, you have to be the one to do that. It's just the way you are. It's just your natural instincts. It's how you flow in life is by It's doing interesting because this is kind of bringing up questions for me about like chicken and the egg, right? Because I'm like, I was an independent child and I think maybe the way I, I've been either, I guess, in this like language conditioned to think of it or the way that I'm used to thinking of it is like, well, I had to be independent because I was an only child and my parents traveled a lot. So that's why I'm independent or, um, you know, making things happen. It's like, well, I have to make things happen because if I don't, no one else will or like feeling on the outside because I moved around a lot. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like that resonates, but I'm, I don't know if, if, I feel like that's what was below me the whole time mm-hmm. or if it was like conditioning that made me this way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is like that was that was just there the whole time and circumstance aligned. Yeah, Question that's mark? what I'm saying. Yeah. But but you have to, okay. but you have to feel out this information for yourself. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, tell you about your own life story. But but I yeah, but it actually sounds like you had a. Uh, an upbringing that allowed you to express this more naturally mm. right yeah because it's interesting because like that story I resonate with a lot too but that's mm-hmm. not my type so maybe the idea would be like let's say we we had the same circumstances but we came in with a different makeup like our experience of what it meant to have to mm-hmm. operate that way might be really different or something I don't know mm-hmm. yeah do all types like for example I'm a, if you're saying I'm a manifester what is my authority? Is it the same authority for all manifestors or no. like depending on when you're born, your authority is different? Okay. Ooh, no. Yeah. So do you want to jump to that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm nodding emphatically <laughs> for listeners. So your authority is your ego, is your heart center. Mm. Yeah. So what's interesting about this. Okay. So your strategy is, is, is a little different. Your strategy is actually to inform. And that's for all manifestors, that strategy, right? Yes, all all manifestors need to inform and initiate. Okay, so manifestors manifest through their throat. So verbalizing is really important for you, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But um, basically, if you inform to the people around you that might be impacted by what you're about to initiate, it just makes everything go smoother. Oh. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Yeah, it just removes resistance, right? And there's a, a lot of energetic reasons for that. But communicating is like this, your secret weapon. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. the secret to you moving and flowing in life with so much more ease. Um, because other people are going to be impacted. You're designed to impact. Other people are going to be impacted by you and affected by what you're going to do. And because they don't have that same energy that you do that can just put things in motion in that way, sometimes people can be they just don't feel at ease they just don't feel comfortable with that energy so you communicating it almost lets them be part of it right um and it's like the last Mm. thing that manifestors want to do because they just want to be independent and put things into action and they don't want other people to interfere so this isn't asking permission this is just allowing for resistance 
and the threat to sort of be put this aside. is why i'm doing this yes exactly yeah. that's it it's just saying i hey i'm doing this mm-hmm. thing right so your mm-hmm. you need to inform and initiate and your authority again it's specific to you it's your heart center which is your willpower you have incredible willpower and your heart's desires are your boss <laughs> So it really mm. runs the show in your chart because you only have two defined centers. You have your throat and you have your ego and you have one channel that connects the two, right? So this is like a major mm-hmm. theme in your life. And it's actually the channel that yeah. you have is the channel of money, which we'll talk about. So so for you... Does that mean I'll have money? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it means you're built for it. It means that you're, you're really here to want that mm. and to make that happen. That's nice to know. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel less guilty about wanting that. And that's the thing is that we get, we, that's one of the conditionings is that we feel shame for what our natural instincts are, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it took me a long time to, I feel like Lila and I have had conversations about this maybe, of like, it took me a long time to um, allow myself to dream. I felt like, no, I don't, I don't really want this. I don't really want mm-hmm. this. But knowing that, oh, okay, that my willpower, what I want is what guides me then is like, okay, so I need to listen to that more and not be exactly. ashamed of yeah. what I want. So if your heart's not in it, it's not for you. And your voice will tell you. It's actually really important to listen to what you say when you're not thinking. Like when you're not planning, when you're not planning what you will say, because that's your mind. I do a lot so, of planning of what I say. I know that's, that's your conditioning. That's you like afraid of your own power. So what we want is all the, all the unfiltered stuff that comes, that bypasses the mind that comes straight from your soul. Cause that's what holds the key to this. So if you blurt something out, it's very likely your truth, right? If you script it, you're losing your connection to it. I think most of the time that does happen for me, I'm like angry or in a fight or crying yeah. or highly emotional. So maybe that's just like the first stage of peeling that layer back and I'll get better at listening. So let me tell you something that we, we skipped. The not self of a manifester is anger. Okay. Been, been talking and, a lot, thinking a lot about anger recently, actually. Yeah. Anger can show up in a bunch of different ways. It can be resentment. It can be rebelliousness. It can be passive aggressiveness. It can be actual anger, <laughs> like enraged. Um, but it's usually an indication that you are suppressing what's natural to you, that you, you are... Um, not trusting yourself, you're not putting, you know, your ideas out into the world, or you're, tr- you feel like you're being controlled. Wow. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know if we have time to get into this, so I'll just drop it here, and then pass the ball over to Lila. But mm-hmm. I think that's so interesting to think about. Because um, I've been trying to be better at feeling my anger. I think I've not been good at being angry. Mm-hmm. So tuning into when you're feeling it, and it's trying to say something to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what we want you to feel, the the signature of a manifester when you're in your power is peace. Mm. Peace means you're trusting yourself, you're trusting your ideas, you're setting things in motion, you're doing what you want, when you want, okay? That's but these what are, signature is. It's like what you should be feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh my God, Lila? very interesting. Lila, I cannot <laughs> wait to hear all about Lila projectors i love my projectors um projectors need to wait for an invitation Ugh, I know. Uh, you know i i find that's your conditioning tend, 
But I find projectors to be the most conditioned of all the types, and there's a reason for that. Because in a world that has told us that if you want something, you have to go out and make it happen and you have to initiate it, and tells us that we are all in competition about how hard we work and that we each have to work the hardest and the longest, right? Um, our our culture is kind of sick, and our culture is also um, really dominated by generators who have a lot of that that energy, right? So projectors, because they have this inner knowing, this inner awareness that they are meant to be seen and recognized and called out to share their gifts, it can be um, misinterpreted, and and they want to prove themselves. They want to go out and show that they can work as hard as anybody else can, right? And show up in the world like everyone else can, and then burn themselves out. Projectors um, have a very unique function, and and a just you're so special. <laughs> I love my projectors so much. I'm surrounded by them now, and you it are just special, makes my Lila. It just makes my life so much better. Um, projectors have a very focused and probing aura that can kind of penetrate people. It means that you can really taste energy. You can kind of um, intimately know and interact with people on a very deep energetic level, like you plug into them. And you have a lot of gifts. Projectors are great visionaries. They're great consultants and leaders and coaches and guides because you can see the big picture and how all the different pieces come together and how all the energy types come together and can be the one to oversee everything you're great at steering the energy of the people around you yes so ladies a- nights <laughs> so if a manifester initiates an idea projectors are a really good person to have on hand to help oversee it to think about the big picture and how to actually bring it into fruition right so it, it makes a really good team uh-huh. And I think like the dream life is something where projectors can come in and get paid a lot of, you know, the big bucks to like be a consultant for three hours and then tell everyone how to make everything better and then go home <laughs> and rest. Right? You need lots of rest. You're not really meant to work in the world the way that most of us think that we are. And because you have this a lot of openness in your chart and both of you do, by the way. So this is actually true um, for you both. But you sample a lot of different energies. So you can grow very, very wise about energy and how to use it. And because you're always sampling, you can almost ride the energy of other people. So it can make you feel like you're a generator sometimes. It can make you feel like you're um, you're able to work that hard. But when you're out of that person's energy field, you'll crash. So you might not be aware of how deeply you are affected by the energy around you. Projectors have this like knowing in their soul they want to be seen very very badly you have a lot to offer the world and you want to keep up and work harder than anyone and push harder than anyone to push yourself so you can really like hurt yourself that way but there's almost like at least the there was (laughs) i have a projector friend before we knew he was a projector he called me and he was like when am i going to be invited to the party I do all the right things and I'm like I'm I call all the right people it's like when am I going to be invited to the party and once I learned what he was and I understood this I was like oh like inherently there's this knowing that you're meant to be invited you're waiting for that invitation and because of the insecurity of that it feels so pompous to say that you know like I do feel like I want to be invited to the party or like I feel like and this is so it feels like so like yucky to say but it's like I do have that feeling of like I need to be recognized for what I have to offer and I can't stand it when I am not yeah. or when yeah. I'm not invited or like I want to and I do try to initiate things and sometimes I feel like I mm-hmm. can't get things off the ground and that feels so bad like I'm always yes. feeling like I should be doing something 
and no matter how busy I keep myself, I feel guilty that I'm not yes. doing more. And it doesn't always seem to matter. People are constantly telling me like, you're smart. You should just make your own mm-hmm. whatever. And I'll be like, yeah. what does that mean? What does that it's, literally mean? I, I would exactly. love to, you know, makes a podcast that I can't figure that out. Makes mm-hmm. a podcast. But you know, so like, but I do feel like that's, that I have that potential. So then it was hard to hear like, oh no, you actually don't have that potential. So just don't even bother. Like that freaked me out. I think the way that I heard it was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, that's not working out for a reason. Cause you're like, you have no energy and you're not meant to work. Like, <laughs> will repel people if you try to start something. And I was like, well, people don't like me. So if I don't start it, how is it ever going to happen? Like I, totally. I spiraled about it. And that is pure conditioning. That is all of us are under that same conditioning. And, and it, I think you feel the weight of it so much more because it, it goes against your natural instincts, like more than anyone else, right? And it's probably, you have felt this, like you feel that frustration and you feel that this isn't the way you're meant to move through life. It's just everyone has told you that if you don't move through life that way, there's something wrong with you, right? And that life can actually be so much easier and is meant to be so much easier. To to be a projector doesn't mean that you have to be missing out. It's the opposite. It's like when you're in your downtime, when you're waiting for that invitation, that's your time to just like get to know yourself so completely and do all the things that you love and all the projects that you love. You can still create for yourself for your own joy and be in the state of like, you do a lot of cooking in your downtime. Mm-hmm. And being in a state of like readiness. It's like waiting for the invitation in a state of, of readiness that when it comes, you are so ready to step up to the plate and deliver the goods. What you are mastering is experience, right? So uh, don't put that pressure on yourself either. Um, you don't have to go. That's and, interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel that way sometimes. Not like a master, but like, like but I but, often it, will but say, you will be ultimately. You're still young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I literally will say things like, "The only way to go to like you can't go around things. You just got to go through them." Like I'm very like yes, that's have exactly the experience. Yeah. It might be a shitty one, but at least I'll be alive and I'll be learning. From <laughs> <or something. laughs> yeah. So that's what your profile is. You're three five. That's what this what you're describing. That's what that is. Mm. The the three five is very experiential, very trial and error. There's no failing in your life. Everything that you do, and you don't know why you're doing it. You might feel like you're being hurled into life, or life is bumping into you, and you're having all of these experiences that are teaching you like really intense lessons <laughs> all the time. And sometimes um, an experience will like, you know, it will be really successful, and sometimes it won't be, and that's just because you learn by doing. You, you have to be in the experience to know what it means. So you are going to become very, very, very wise. You're going to have a lot of experiential wisdom that you can pass on to others and a lot of practical solutions based on what you've learned and what's worked for you and what hasn't worked for you. But I wouldn't get too heady about what you feel like you need to be or accomplish in order to be seen. Ultimately, you have to see yourself. That's exactly what this is about. The energy is all about when you own your gifts. When you, oh, I see. Yeah, you like, oh, we've got this. Yeah, we've been working on this project of self acceptance. Yes, we're on a journey yeah. for self acceptance. So it's nice. It's the it's the secret to this. This is the secret to to being a projector is owning your worth, knowing what you bring to the table. It whatever lights you up, whatever is you enjoy. That can be anything that you love. 
and and being a master of that because you love it right and and you kind of described it before but I do think it's it's worth noting that um, because projectors want to be seen they'll often push themselves on people or they'll try to do the inviting or they'll try to market themselves and solicit themselves and and you said it already that it it, it repels people right people need to come to you mm. you don't you don't need to sell yourself that's the thing that scares me the most though that idea of like people having to come to you it feels like you then you don't have any control over like what comes into your life and who you're with and you just you gotta just be picked oh opposite oh it's the opposite opposite you have so much to offer and share and projectors moving into the future are, are growing more and more and more into power because we are starting to see the gifts of what projectors are bringing to the table and inviting more and more for you to be in these positions of running the show ultimately so often projectors will try to do the inviting because you want to treat others how you want to be treated <laughs> but it doesn't work that way so yes we want you to stop inviting we don't want you to initiate we don't want you to be giving unsolicited advice. It's almost like just just like watch as the world crumbles without your help and guidance and be ready to show up and shine the minute that they realize how much they need you. But but just because you're given an invitation doesn't mean you have to accept it. It has to be the right invitation for you. And you want it has to be like so in line with your purpose. It has to feel so authentic and you have to feel so seen. And because you are sampling energies of the people around you, you get to be very specific about who you allow into your experience. It's so crucial for you that you surround yourself with people who see you. Like don't knock on doors of the people that aren't getting you, you're wasting your time, right? You wanna create space for the people who really, really get, get you to come through. And if you see yourself so completely, then they can't miss you. So you do have a lot of, you have a lot of power in choosing like where you accept your invitations and the kinds of people that you surround yourself with and making sure those people are the people that get you. Mm -hmm. That are on your level, Lila. Yeah. And what's her ego? Her, so her ego, <laughs> her no, authority. Yours is ego. <laughs> it's, it's the spleen. It's her spleen. So your authority is your instincts. You're very instinctual. You have a profound intuition, but it's very in the moment. So it actually hits you and it's very instantaneous. So you have to be really present and yeah, really in tune with your body. Yeah. The mind yeah. is in the I'm way. Also very yes, both of us have yeah. identified with the mind for a long time. And, yeah. Yes. And it really wants to override your splenic messages. So this takes some experimentation and like a deep trust in the wisdom of your vehicle um, that when you get an invitation, you're just gonna feel it. You're just gonna feel it and you're gonna have a knowing if it's right for you or not. Or being around people, you're just gonna be able to smell. You're just gonna like, you can tell if something is fishy. You can just, you just have um, yeah. really alert senses that tell you what's healthy for you. I think it's nice knowing this about your friends. like. This, like what you were saying about like, oh, you have to like, if you ask too much of people, it repels them and things like that of like thinking of advice I've given to Lila, be like, no, then you just need to reach out and blah, blah, blah. And being like, actually, that's advice that really only works for me as a manifester, but might actually be counterproductive for yeah. your type. So then like it you... feels deeply uncomfortable to me to do that. Some of what little I've heard about this type so far has has felt like it has rung true to me, but in this kind of like confirmation of all my worst fears way. 
And I had the same feelings about being a generator. When I was told I can't initiate, that I'm just responding, I felt so powerless when I first understood this until now that I've surrendered to it and I have seen my life fall into a flow that I never had before and synchronicities are showing up and the kind of opportunities that are showing up in my life now as as a result of just living my moment moment to moment with this gut instinct of this brings me joy and this makes me happy and I don't have to start planning my life in the next five years I just live like in the present in 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 my in my present joy and things unfold for me has given me I just feel so surrendered and trusting and calmer and like things that my mind could never conceive for me are starting to show up like I never imagined two years ago that I would be doing this podcast right now with you this was like what is this right now right I'm so curious to hear about channels if you've noticed any things that are like explain because I feel like Lilina are both so different and yet so similar and I I'm anxious to probe that too I think one thing that will help explain your friendship there's a few things you do have two channels together um but but one thing that I think is really interesting is actually all three of us have something in common so I'm going to talk a little bit about our missions because there's some parallels okay Lila and I are actually on the same incarnation cross we're both on the cross of service so all four of our gates that you see in the top four corners of the body graph um, we have those same numbers in common, except with like slightly different uh, in a slightly different configuration. So we have the same energy, but we express them slightly differently. Now Yuma actually has two of the four gates that Lila and I have as part of her cross, which is the cross of upheaval. So like half of your mission is actually very similar to ours. All of this is about for all of us. It's an ability to see what needs fixing. We are mm. all designed to make judgments and see what needs I love that you're both taking notes (laughs) (laughs) that's part of our and see what needs correcting in the world and be able to take in that information and form opinions about how to make it better the difference is that for Lila and me it's more about correcting things that are like holding us back from our vitality from our joy It's about making other people's lives better. Like, how do we change or correct the things that stop us from actualizing our highest potential? But Naima, your version of this is actually more about what's worth fighting for and correcting unfairness and injustice. My God, I am so sensitive to injustice and unfairness. Yeah, you're going to be more fired up. Yeah, and you're going to see all the problems in the world that are like that you think are worth fighting for, that are worth going against the grain for, are worth knocking Mm. down like structures and overcoming obstacles for like um shaking up the status quo so we're all here to make the world better we just have a different flavor or like a different energy in which we approach Mm -hmm. that but ultimately it's through our ability to see the problems and then um articulate and communicate effective opinions and solutions and I mean, you two are That's doing so interesting. You're doing a podcast about giving your opinions on different things that may or may not make our lives better. But just, just, I just want to note around this, like, um, one, this is not something you have to consciously go out and do. This is not something where you're like, oh, I'm on the cross of service, or I'm meant to do this, and this is how I have to like 
you know, what oh, kind of job I need to get. This is just going to happen naturally and organically as you live by your strategy and authority. It's just, it's you. It's just how you express yourself in the world. So it's, it's not something you have to, again, use your mind to plan and control. And how you express it in the world, you get to do it any way you want. It's very organic. You don't have to consciously think about it. Um, you didn't have to know this prior to making a decision to start this podcast, right? It's it's inherent mm-hmm. to who you are. It's just how you built. You're built. So it's going to express itself in all kinds of ways over the course of life. Also, I just like this, like the three of us, this is not normal. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't actually meet that many people on the cross of service. So, um, oh, wow. Everyone has a really specific gift, and you should recognize this as a gift that you have an ability to clearly communicate how to better society. That is a gift. Okay. It's not something everyone can do. Um, but you have to really listen to your intuition about where you want to apply this because others, one, will want to take advantage of it. Right. If you're all about service, other people are going to want to come in and, and use you to make whatever they've got going on better and you want to make sure that this is energy that you're putting towards your passion. But also, it can come off as very critical. Like, other people will think that you're constantly judging them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's easy to do when this isn't being utilized or, or um, expressed in its healthiest yeah. way. Yes. And you can, Where and there's you can, no outlet for that, then you do start judging the smaller things. But yes, that's so true. Yeah, so interesting. So you can create problems in your personal relationships. And this is something I have had to watch big time because just because you know how to make something better, this is my lesson. Just because you look at someone and know all the things you need to do to optimize their life. Like I know exactly what you need to do to feel better. It doesn't mean it's your place to say it or that they will be ready to receive it. (laughs) This is my life. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so hard for me to do. I'm like, this is the right way. Like, yeah. of course, this saves you time. This saves you energy. This saves you anxiety. If right. only you put this away <laughs> in this particular way, everything would be easier. Why? I feel like people go out of their way to do things wrong. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. And for me, I've had to really learn that other people's journeys are their journeys. And yeah. that it comes from love and me wanting to offer them a gift. But if it's not invited, it's not appreciated. <laughs> it creates yes. a lot of problems, right? So the channel of judgment is so about true. that. And what was helpful for me to learn is that other people can't see things the way that you can. The imperfections yeah. that you see, they can't see. This is the gift, right? Yeah. But it becomes perfectionism if we're not careful. Yes. Right. We talk a lot about talk perfection about. paralysis that we've mm-hmm. both experienced. Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like an, another theme that's come up today and has come up a lot is kind of resistance as an indicator um, where I feel like for me, like realizing like people don't see things that I see. I, I find I'm like, I have a lot of resistance to that, but I think that that resistance is a sign that if only I can let some of that go... I'll feel much more free. And same with you, Lila, of like feeling such resistance to your type of feeling Mm -hmm. like, wow, that that also says a lot. Where and I feel like I feel some resistance too of being like, well, I'm happy to be a manifester, like on the surface, that there's not a lot of people who are this, but I'm also like, part of me is like, but I'm tired. I don't want to be (laughs) to be doing all this stuff. You know, but a feeling like there's resistance to that because I think I've been manifesting things that I don't want to be manifesting. You know, so 
how how to use this as a tool to like what is it my that I'm resisting what is it that I'm should be digging deeper into and how can I use this in relationships is a lot of what I'm taking away from this I love that so much and it's been such a theme in my readings lately that I'm really noticing what you're calling it resistance it could also be called fear or pain that it's actually I'm noticing that fear is like a guidepost like there's different Mm -hmm. kinds of fear right like there's there's fear that is you know like get out of this burning house but there's also fear that is like pointing us in the direction of our growth yeah what you gotta lean into yeah it's like an indicator of where our highest potential is yeah so this information belongs to someone right like it's not like just out there you only get so much for free and then there's like you have to buy courses and manuals and how is this information available to people? You know, I'm finding there's more and more information out there all the time. So there are books. Um, there's lots of blogs and websites. There are people who are doing readings. Yeah, a bunch of websites that offer um, resources that you can pay for. But there's also just a lot of information out there that you don't need to. There's um, like the definitive book of, of human design, you know, which is pretty comprehensive and goes into a lot of this. Um, it's taken me a lot of time to decipher it. Like some of the mm. language in, especially some of the talks by Ra Uruhu, I find to be personally very, for someone who's saying don't live in the head, it's like so heady and like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and convoluted and, and difficult. But if everybody were to really start practicing their strategy, their authority and learn their profile, understand sort of the way that they move through the world and why things are happening the way they are and why they're seen the way they are it is so so liberating it is so so like um i think that's the point it's just radical self-acceptance oh my god there's so much information i i feel like both overwhelmed and inspired thank you so much jessica for coming on and i feel like i feel like i could just keep talking all all after it's fun right isn't it fun yeah. Yeah. feeling energized by by this discussion Aww. i I'm love a that energy being but <laughs> 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 get my energy from others so thank you ladies well ha- always happy to give you some energy <laughs> it has been such an honor and so much fun i feel very lucky so thank you so much for bringing me here episode I honestly thought I would not be drinking this Kool-Aid I would be like I've got my water I'm hydrated but I am actually drinking this Kool-Aid <laughs> I know I'm heavily Me drinking too. this Kool-Aid you too 100% I just I I love that it can be complex that there's something to decipher the like intellectual in me is happy to be like okay let me study some materials and blah 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 that it's not at first sight I mean I still definitely have huge reservations about like how this came to be and I'm very confused about what this the context of the system is but again I think I'm drawn to and that's something that Jess said in the beginning it's like this is a tool for self-knowledge for self-knowing and I'm I'm drawn to that that it's not so much about like yeah that you can pick and choose, be like, okay, this is what this says. But until I put it into practice in my own life, it doesn't really matter what it says. I like that what she said about radical self-acceptance being the goal of this. Because I think it's easy to hear something like this and be like, oh, is this prescriptive? You know, you and I talked about that 
with any modality be like, oh, is this going to limit how I function now? Um, and I like that what she's saying is it's it's more like a tool to excavate your true self, mm-hmm. removing all the conditioning and all the influence of society and whatever, and get uh-huh. to your core that self. That what she was saying, that and the external that. reality matching my internal knowing. That is really going to stay that. with me. I will say my main reservation, and it sounds like she has it too, is still just mm-hmm. the idea of like, this guy who invented it and what the fuck does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm still confused about where this information comes from and we didn't talk yeah. enough about that with her. But what I did love about it was I have to say, I think there is a part of me that does feel like I came into this world with an essential self that I feel as a really little kid, I was quite sure about. And I can literally see how, conditioning if that's the term from this modality has piled on me throughout my life and all I want is to like get back to that knowingness like what Mm -hmm. I feel like I knew I came here to be this person and the fear that comes with that I think yeah agreed and I think um like this sense of of doing it as your purpose and putting and not just like what it is that you're meant to do but like listening to how you're supposed to do it and for what feeling like that really resonates with me of the like you know it's your heart you have to like you're going to be fired up by certain things and then you have to like initiate with that and feeling like I put a lot of energy into initiating constantly constantly and then Mm -hmm. I feel worn out and I feel like why is nobody else initiating why am I carrying all of this why can't anybody else step up to the plate but I think it's because I'm initiating things that are draining me but if I really mm. tap into what it is I want to be doing and then put the other stuff to the side, then things will yeah. come. And coming from that place of abundance and not feeling small to then that gives me even more drive. I, I think I'm very surprised at how much I'm drinking this Kool-Aid. Me too. It's like a nice blue raspberry Kool-Aid. I know. And part of me, again, resistance is like, I sh- this is too much. This is too out there. This is too woo-woo. I know. This is too much. And so that's the resistance there. But at the end of the day, what does it hurt to have knowledge, right? If we are going to be these people, like especially you, right? She was talking about experience and Mm -hmm. inform. In order to inform, you need to inform yourself as well. Like, yeah, maybe part of me is like, this is too woo-woo. Maybe that's my mind talking. But at the end of the day, is knowing something more going to be bad? What? If I spend time learning about this and find what works and throw away the rest, how bad can that be? You know, totally. So I'm definitely gonna be thinking about this more, and me too. I'm curious. What I like about it too is like there is that sense of it takes everything to make a world. You know. Yeah. And so that we all have an important role to fill, mm-hmm. and that we're always assuming everyone's operating the way we are, or vice, or that we should be operating the way that they are, and that's not always true. And mm-hmm. if we actually lean into our own differences and authentic ways of being will actually all be happier yeah i'll be happier and function better in, in response to each other. and yeah find more common ground you know there's definitely more opportunity to find common ground when you're like oh i know that this is how i am and i know this is how you are so now let's build something versus mm-hmm. this is how i am come onto my island and somebody else being like no you come onto my island you know yeah we're having a glass of kool-aid today we're guys. having a big gold glass of kool-aid partially because jess was so wonderful wasn't she lovely she was so lovely well we invite you all to 
read up a little bit on human design. Uh, yeah, I think this is a very interesting episode. And I'm really curious if people end up doing these graphs to just like share with yes. us what Go they online, are. Go online, guys. Yeah. Go online. Just Google human design. human design body graph. It's like astrology. Just give it your time and place of birth. And it'll give you this graph and you won't understand what you're looking at. And then you'll slowly go on a bunch of blogs. And then you will go on a wild (laughs) ride and then listen to this podcast. So thanks for tuning in and see you next week for yet another wild topic. This has been another episode of Drinking the Kool-Aid with Lila and Naima. Thanks for tuning in. Our music is made by Sammy Miller and Molly Miller. Our artwork is by the wonderful Charlotte Beach. Editing done by Lila and Naima. Sorry. We'll put some links to some human design resources in the episode description. But if you're interested in working with Jess, please visit her website, bydesignwithjess.com. Or you can reach out to her directly, hdwithjess at gmail.com.